welcome to our third, I guess it's our third church revitalization workshop. Um, my name is uh, Doug Ressler, and I am the pastor at Parker Evangelical Presbyterian Church, or Pepsi, as we like to refer to it out here in south, uh, well, really um, just south and east of Denver, Colorado. Um, it's great to be with you today, and joining me, of course, are the the other members of this sort of uh, motley crew that we've pulled together to talk church revitalization. So maybe, Mike, let me have you introduce yourself. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, yeah, I'm Mike Wright, and uh, I am the pastor of Littleton Christian Church in Littleton, Colorado, with which is actually South Metro Denver, unlike yeah. Parker, which is its right. own place. We are kind of a deal. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. John, what about you, brother? Can you introduce yourself? Uh, you got to unmute yourself, brother. There we go. I, um, I'm John Mabry. I am now serving as the associate pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Monroe. I um, was formerly the pastor, but I've gone through a pastoral transition succession, and, and now I'm... Um, serving as the associate pastor here in Monroe, Louisiana, where I have served since the fall of 2010. Awesome. Thank you, John. Yeah, John's been so successful at church revitalization, he got demoted. So, <laughs> That's, great, right. uh, That's really great. true. That's really true. That's exactly right, brother. <laughs> great to have you, John. Thanks. Uh, Bryn, what about you? Hi, everyone. I'm Bryn McPhail. I'm the senior pastor at St. Andrew's Kirk in Nassau, Bahamas a part of the Presbytery of Florida and the Caribbean. Uh, I've been here for the last 10 years. Awesome. Thanks, Bryn. Um, yeah, all, all of us uh, are serving in different churches of different sizes, uh, different kind of shapes, different contexts. And so, um, and certainly glad to gather with y'all because each of you are serving in a church in its own unique context and size as well. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to really drill down on the revitalization of the session. If you've been with us, you know that the first two sessions uh, going all the way back to October, that first one, each of us kind of did a deep dive into who we are, our churches, the size of our churches, kind of the heartbeat of our churches, that kind of thing. Talking about revitalization at a sort of a big scale, what is revitalization? Kind of trying to answer that question. And then last, uh, last workshop, that was at the end of November around Thanksgiving, we talked specifically about the revitalization of the pastor. It's our conviction as a, as a team that church revitalization happens from the center out. So it, it's got to start with the pastor. It's got to start with, uh, if there's a ruling elder or a commission pastor in place, it's got to start with that person. That person has to be revitalized, has to stay revitalized. Uh, so we talked through a lot of those dynamics. What spiritual disciplines do you engage in? If you're devitalized, how do you revitalize those kinds of things? Um, and that was really focused in on the pastor, that kind of thing. Then uh, we believe that, you know, revitalization then moves from the pastor to the next circle out, which is the ruling elders, the session. And so we're probably going to spend uh, a couple of workshops on this topic, on the, on the revitalization of the session. We really believe fundamentally that the session should be the engine for spiritual renewal and revitalization in every local church. We believe that's what God desires biblically. We believe that's fleshed out in our book of order as well. Um, uh, when you dig kind of down deep beneath all of the kind of levels and rules and responsibilities that are, you know, a part and parcel of what we have to do, fundamentally, you get down to like the, the sort of baseline conviction, right, that the Book of Order says, which is that the ruling elder, the first job of every ruling elder is to seek the mind of Christ. 
So when a session comes together, when ruling elders come together, their first job is to seek the mind of Christ together. Well, how do you do that? And that's what we're going to begin talking about today. So what I thought we'd do to, just to kind of get started is um, each one of the facilitators is going to share a little bit about, just take a couple minutes, share how they do session together, um, what the actual meeting looks like for them. They'll share how big their session is. Um, so you get a sense of that because depending on the size that can you know change some of the dynamics in play. And then what we do, we'll, we'll go to our first breakout and we'll talk with you all about how big are your sessions and what are your meetings like? And um, you might have, you might have heard this uh, this sort of old sort of business maxim or ph philosophy. It, it states that every system is designed perfectly to get the results that it gets. And so uh, maybe in this first breakout, we'll talk through like, is your session actually achieving the results you hope it would achieve? And if not, how do you shift that? How do you shift that culture? That's going to be the main the main body of our uh, conversation today. I'll get us started. Um, like I said, my name is Doug Ressler. I serve a, a church out in uh, a town of Parker, just south and east of Denver. Um, we have, uh, gosh, probably about pre-COVID, about seven, eight hundred on a weekend, so a fairly fairly sizable church. Uh, our session is made up of nine ruling elders and three teaching elders. Okay, and uh, so there's twelve of us, and the way that we do life together, the way that we order our life together is we get together once a month um, as a group. And we have, uh, we start, this is again, kind of pre-COVID, obviously we've made some adjustments with COVID, but pre-COVID, our normal way of doing things, we meet at six o'clock, we have a meal together that a session member prepares or brings with one of the two. Um, we spend the first half hour or so just catching up, fellowship time, um, sharing prayer requests, that kind of thing. Then we move into about an hour to an hour and a half of prayer time. Um, and, and, and Bible study time and seeking the mind of Christ together just for each other and talking through like how, you know, we're usually studying a book or studying a book of the Bible or something like that. Some, some avenue of, of spiritual growth that we are intentionally engaging in um, together, uh, again, as we seek to grow spiritually. So, so, you know, usually around 830 or so, we start to turn to the business of the church. Um, and that usually takes us about 45 minutes to get through the business portion of our meeting, which is, you know, a couple of reports. We look at the finances. We, you know, talk about any motions that need to come before us, that kind of thing. Um, and usually we're out the door around 9.30, 9.45, that kind of thing. Never go beyond 10 o'clock. Um, so it's a it's about a three and a half, four hour meeting tops. Uh, afterwards, uh, we kind of have a social hour. We'll go out for a drink or something like that. Uh, afterwards, most of our session members participate in that on a weekly ba on a monthly basis. That's just a time for us just to kind of go hang out. We love we love being together, and so it's a great time. So we end up probably on a monthly basis hanging out for you know maybe five five and a half hours. Uh, in addition to our meeting, we also intentionally meet. I meet with each session member individually one on one for discipleship um, once a quarter at a, at a minimum. So we meet at least one one on one four to six times a year. Um, me with each session member, and that's how we do life together. And I tell you, I got to tell you, it's been incredibly rich. And um, when our session members rotate off after the end of their terms, whether it's a three-year term or a six-year term, um, there's often a lot of tears because they really believe they're leaving, um, as they call it, the best small group in the church. So that's how we do life together. Um, Bryn, why don't I? Uh, you know, hand the ball off to you. And why don't you share with us how you guys do life together? Thanks, Doug. 
and and I'm I'm not pandering to Doug here, but I I love everything I just heard from Doug Ressler uh, because I feel like my ministry career with sessions is ramping towards what Doug already enjoys, but we're not yet there. So for those who need some incremental steps, uh, let me share where St. Andrew's Kirk is at. Uh, but, but I definitely want to say we're, we're more aiming for what Doug is actually undertaking and enjoying at the moment. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things I, I did when I arrived in 2010, uh, I can't remember how many session members we had at the time, maybe around a, a dozen. We currently have seven ruling elders and myself for a total of eight. Uh, but one of the first things I did is I, I wanted to use the business meeting uh, and break it down so that we would have spiritual development time. And, and so for just about every meeting we've had for the last 10 years, we've had at least 30 minutes of spiritual development. Usually it's based on an article or uh, it might even be a brief Bible passage. It might be a video curriculum from Right Now Media. Uh, but we use 30 minutes. Uh, again, our goal is, is to not only align with one another, but to align with what God's will is for our church, or as Doug puts it, seeking the mind of Christ together. And, and so the spiritual development time was a huge piece. And, and I apologize, I'm a downtown church. And so you're going to hear police cars and ambulances and all kinds of great things uh, while I'm talking. Uh, so the session, I don't, there's a few of them on this call. They were a little a little reluctant, or, or I think they wanted to learn more about this. I think some of them were worried we were going to have longer meetings, that all we were going to do is we we're going to take a long business meeting and we we're going to add on a Bible study. And so the promise I made to them is that we would only go beyond two hours if there was a motion at 7.30. So we begin at 5.30 and, and to go beyond 7.30, someone has to make a motion and that we agree to go beyond the stated hour. Uh, so we use two hours. Uh, Again, so that's an hour and a half uh, for the business, if you will, a half hour for spiritual development. We do kind of open the doors, if you will, at 5 to 5.30 for informal fellowship. Um, I sure like the idea of a meal, um, but uh, goals for the future. Uh, the, the only other thing uh, I, I would say that, that marks our session is, um, I don't know if it's a function of our early meeting time or Bahamian culture, uh, but we have difficulty getting everyone there for 5.30. So the spiritual development time, I always float it into the middle of the meeting uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, you may have like a meet and greet on Sunday morning and you have people who intentionally have figured out how to come late enough to miss the meet and greet. And, and so I, I don't want anyone coming late enough to miss the spiritual development. Uh, so I, I plop it right in the middle of the meeting. It's a great uh, punctuation mark. Um, it helps us get our bearings uh, as we do our business, and uh, it, it's been a really successful thing so far. Uh, so that, Doug, I don't know if there's anything else. That, uh, that how big is your session, Bryn? How big is your session, Bryn? Uh, it's eight, including myself. Okay, great. Awesome. Thanks, Bryn. Uh, John, why don't we go to you? I uh, got to unmute yourself again. <laughs> okay. Covenant Presbyterian Church in Monroe. Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm good, okay. Um, we are a congregation of uh, a pretty clean role of uh, individual members of 270D. We pre-COVID um, were hovering around 200 in regular Lord's Day worship. Our session is, is a rotating session. It's comprised of three classes of three. And then we have two teaching elders, myself and Jonathan Wagner, for a total of 11. What we do in our regular monthly meetings is we begin at 545 in the afternoon with a joint officers meeting. And so the, the nine ruling elders, the two teaching elders, and the 12 deacons all meet together. And um, we, the first thing that we do there, what, what we're, we do the spiritual development uh, aspect there together with all of the deacons. What we're doing right now, we adopted uh, a year ago, we're taking about, oh, 15 to 20 minutes at the beginning of each joint meeting, and we're dipping our toes into the ocean of the Westminster Confession, one chapter per meeting. This is not a study of the Westminster Confession. What it is, is, um, I mean, one of the goals is, we want all of our officers to just stay in touch with our confessional standard. So they're, each one is responsible to bring the EPC spiral bound confession and catechisms. And, and so the idea is over a period of three years, if we do one per month, over a year, uh, over a three-year term, every officer will have dipped his or her toe into the water, and and you know they'll they'll be reminded there is a chapter because we just did it uh, a week ago. They'll be reminded that there's a chapter on um, marriage, marriage and divorce. This is what the standard says. And we have some discussion about that. So we work, we're working our way over a, a three-year term through all the chapters of the Westminster Confession. And we just, it's just our way of reminding the officers, this is our standard. It's a great resource. We'd like for, you know, you know pay it, keep, keep digging in. We, we want to whet their appetite with it and um, keep, keep their nose in it. And, and doing their Bible study, using it as a resource for their Bible studies. So that's what we're doing in terms of the, the spiritual growth of our officers and spiritual leadership development. Then what we do still in the joint officers meeting, this is the point at which we, we, do the, we get the big picture. Okay, what's going on in the life of the church? Everybody check your calendar. What do we have come up? Obviously, things are, have been quite different for the last 11 months. But, you know, what do we got coming up? Okay, who's on that? Um, we got the fellowship team ready to coordinate that, or we've got this missions event. Okay, you know, just making sure all the ducks in the row, the pieces of the machinery are in place for whatever calendar events are coming up. And then we'll do congregational care concerns. We'll just have everybody kind of report, let's bring up to the surface those people who have special needs of body and soul, 
or people who are celebrating the birth of, the, uh, of a child or who's dealing with some new turn of adversity in their life. How do we pray for them? How are we following up with them, et cetera? Um, and then um, we separate and then the, the diaconate will do their own work. They're very, whether it's building and grounds or um, congregational care, uh, itemizing, you know, particularly who we're going to deliver meals to. They work out all those details. And the, the other diaconate committees, they do that in their own session, in their own meeting. The session uh, goes to a new meeting where we reconvene and um, uh, cover. Uh, one of the things that we do is we try to put the priority agenda, priority item on the agenda at the top. I'll say more about that maybe in the breakout sessions. But then, you know, the, the, the session deals with um, not only the ongoing business of the church, but maybe deeper pastoral care concerns or matters of church discipline that arise from time to time um, in, in session. And then we're usually, we're usually finished by eight o'clock. So, I mean, I, I'm, um, I mean, all, all together, you know, 545 to eight o'clock is pretty much our um, framework. And, you know, during the session meeting, we will stop and pray about particular issues or particular persons in need, um, et cetera. That's what great. we, that's how we do. Great. Thank you, John. That's great. And Mike, what about you? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, it's, it is even amongst the, these facilitators, it's great to hear all these different uh, ways to do it. And uh, I, I hope you all know that the four of us are like constantly learning and from each other and revising the way we do things as we hear things from each other too. So um, we're, uh, I, you know, I represent the smallest church of the facilitators. We, uh, pre-COVID, pre we had an average, you know, gathering of about a hundred people. We have, uh, um, right, for the, for the last year, we've had four ruling elders and myself. So a, a small meeting of five. Uh, you know, over the last five years, that's fluctuated between five and eight people. Uh, so uh, that's our size. Our session meets on Sundays after worship, uh, which is good for the ruling elders. And to be quite honest, it's not great for me. Uh, uh, so that the, especially the preachers here on the meeting will, uh, will probably relate to that. I'm pretty fried after uh, a session meeting, but we meet twice a month on Sundays. On one of those meetings, it's purely for prayer. Uh, thing, you know, whatever issues we are aware of in the church, things going on in the community, things the Lord has laid on our heart. Uh, and so I, uh, we rotate one, a different ruling elder uh, sparks that with, uh, with their own sort of devotion, something that, you know, the, they kind of guide that time together. And then our other meeting is more of our business meeting. Uh, and yet we spent half the business meeting in prayer as well. Every time we come together as a session, we go through the church vision statement and then a specific vision statement that we use for the session. So we say Littleton Christian Church exists to do this, and then the session exists to that to do this, you know, to which is generically to ensure the appropriate advancement 
of the you know of this mission as shepherds of the flock that God's entrusted to us. Um, and each time we do that, I I pick just at random. I'll pick one person in the room and say, "What sticks out to you in that statement?" Uh, and that's we've been doing that for a, a few years now, and it continues to be fresh. People continue to grab different words or statement, you know, ideas out of that, and it it's connected to something God's been stirring up in their heart recently. So that's been a cool experience for us. In our business meetings, we then go into a time of listening prayer. So we will spend anywhere from five to 15 minutes in silence together. Everyone's got a, a sheet of paper, they're jotting notes and thoughts, and uh, maybe God's laying a, a, a passage of scripture on their heart or something going on in the church or something from the sermon. Um, and uh, so then we have time of reflecting on that. And that's our way of keeping this whole idea of seeking the mind of Christ uh, in the front of our meeting. Sometimes that throws off the whole rest of our agenda. And, and that's okay. If something has really been stirred up for somebody that, that we sense that together that we say, yeah, we think that is what God is saying. And we need to engage that. We'll, we'll scrap uh, most of the rest of our agenda to engage with that. Um, but otherwise, uh, we, after that, go into a time of learning together. For the last year, uh, we took the session through the, the uh, leadership training guide that the EPC has. That's, that's a really helpful uh, document. It, it's accessible to anyone. And so that, we, that sparked a ton of great conversations for our session. Uh, and then once we've finished th with that, we will go into the business of the church. Uh, I assign a group of members to each ruling elder, and they are so they're sort of the the shepherd looking out for that specific group. So I'll have them share. Hey, is there anything going on with your oversight list? Uh, that's part of our meeting. We'll go through a little ministry report that the staff and I prepare, and uh, you know, obviously look at um, finances, uh, stuff like that. But that's a that's a basic meeting for us. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Well, Brian is going to send us off into our breakout rooms, and uh, we'll spend about 30 minutes in dialogue. And really, the question, I guess, to ponder and to talk about in your breakout groups is this. Uh, again, every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. So when you think about your session as a system and the results that it's getting, uh, what are those results? And are you satisfied with those? Would you like to see different results, uh, better results? I mean, what does that look like for you? We'll begin the conversation there, and then when we come back, We'll have some further uh, conversation drilling down on how do you actually begin to shift session culture um, so that you can seek the mind of Christ more effectively. And so that'll be the subject of our next kind of teaching session today. So, um, Brian, if you throw us into those small groups, that would be great. All right, we're populating back in. Um, and again, if you've got, uh, check out your microphone, make sure you're on mute if you can as we come back in. Although I think, uh, I think Brian's bringing us maybe all back in muted, which is great. Uh, it's great to see all your faces. Uh, recognize some of you and um, some of you are repeats, which is great. And to hear, hear more of your stories is a lot of fun. We are talking about um, the life of our session and hopefully the breakout room, you got to share a little bit and you got to hear from a little a bit. In our breakout room, it was great because we had some folks who are pretty new to the EPC, uh, either coming uh, into the EPC from the PCUSA, like in Puerto Rico or in Tampa or in other places. That's great. Um, other folks have been around the EPC a while. 
Um, I had Ed McCallum in my group too. So he's been, I think he, uh, I think he gave birth to the EPC many years ago. Uh, just kidding, Ed. Um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, it's great to have that great mix of, of folks. So we're again, talking about the session. And I think one of the fundamental questions to ask yourself as you ponder some of the things that you've heard is why, why does a session exist? What do you think the primary purpose of the session is? Uh, if every uh, organization is designed to get the outcome that it gets, what is the outcome that you're shooting for as a session? I think some of that is going to be uh, culturally conditioned. It's going to be it's going to be conditioned on the size of your church. It's going to be conditioned on the uh, where your church is located and what the expectations in that particular culture are. I think it's going to be conditioned on the um, maybe how much staff you have. Some of those kinds of things. Some of that depends on the size of your church. Again, that kind of thing. Uh, some of it will be dependent upon um, how big your session is. You know, how do they self-understand? Um, the session that I uh, first stepped into, I was the, my first call in ministry was a session um, to a, a church down in Mobile, Alabama. So in the deep south, in the western edge of the city there. And they were a church of about 80 folks. And they had, um, they had 12 session members. <laughs> it was a massive session for that size congregation. And frankly, it was a challenge to find those session members, you know, every year when we went through the nominating cycle, because I mean, there, there just wasn't, I mean, you want to talk about like trying to find people of spiritual maturity and all of those kinds of things. I mean, it, you didn't, you didn't have a lot to choose from, frankly, on some level, great folks, but, but, but not all certainly called to, to be an elder or have the gifts to be an elder, that kind of thing. And one of the things that we had to walk through was their self-understanding as to why did a session exist. In their minds, when I got there, their minds, the session existed to run the church. They were a small church. And so they were there to run the church. They were there to run all the programs of the church, run all the committees of the church, all of that kind of stuff. And slowly over a six-year process, I convinced them to that the session's job was really to lead the church spiritually. That was the primary job. And so we ended up um, actually reducing the size of session to six, bringing deacons on to do the, the service work. And then we also brought on this sort of non-ordained office we called committee chair, and they were the run the programs of the church. And that offloaded all the programmatic stuff off the session. It offloaded all of the, the deacon stuff off of the session and allowed those six elders then to really focus in on spiritual leadership for the church. And it was wonderful. It took us a while to get there, but it was wonderful once we got there, boy, they really resonated with that. Because again, different people have different gifts. Not everybody's called to be an elder. Not everybody's called to be a deacon. Not everybody's called to lead programs in the church. And you want to, you want to, again, the body of Christ is designed to, to do the ministry that God's called it to. So you want to design it in such a way that the right people get into the right spots. Um, so anyway, here I am in, in, in uh, again, now in, in Parker, Colorado, and inherited a session um, that uh, really kind of understood some of these principles um, and so I was very thankful for that as I kind of came in, but they, we really see our fundamental, most important job is to lead our church spiritually. So almost all of our conversation, even when we get to the business of the church is how, how are we leading our, our church spiritually? And, and that includes even conversations around the budget. Like tonight, we're going to meet as a session and our primary work tonight, like the big decision we have to make is on the budget for 2021. Um, because that kicks in in February. And even, even our conversations around the budget aren't so much around like the dollars and the cents and the line items and all of that kind of stuff as much as 
what does this budget communicate about the priorities we believe God has set for us in the coming year? And how do we articulate those to our congregation? How do we promote those to our congregation? How do we help our congregation understand this is what we believe God has called us to, this is the work God has called us to, and this is why? Because we believe if we communicate all of that in a way that is, uh, you know, compelling and, and, you know, after all about the prayer that we've put into it and all of those things, we don't believe that we'll have any problem raising the budget or the people contributing to the budget. We don't do pledges or anything like that. So every year we have to kind of raise the budget um, anew. Um, and I got to tell you, it's been wonderfully successful, but it's because our session understands that the primary job of us approving this budget isn't just to get salaries paid or programs funded as much as it is to communicate something to our congregation and the, the wider community about the spiritual priorities of our church family. Um, and so we're, we're super excited about having that conversation tonight. Uh, we'll do that. That'll be good. So again, we understand that that's our fundamental purpose. So that, that's really the first question you've got to wrestle with, I think, whether you're a ruling elder or a teaching elder on this call, the fun, you got to wrestle with that. Why do we gather? What's, our, what's, the, what's the purpose here? Because then that'll shape how big your session needs to be. That's going to shape um, what your session does, what your agenda, what will take up most of your agenda, those kinds of things. Again, our, the facilitators, our conviction is that the number one job of the session is spiritual revitalization. They are there to help lead this work of revitalization and renewal in the life of your congregation, which means they need to be constantly um, living this life of renewal themselves. All right. And so that's why, again, here at Pepsi, we spend so much of our session meetings on a monthly basis. And I spend so much time with them one on one doing these conversations around spiritual renewal and revitalization, discipleship, and talking and engaging scripture and engaging in prayer and engaging life together. Because the deeper we go together into Christ, the better it is for our congregation. The more we can discern where God is leading us and the more we can hear his voice and all of those things. Um, in my experience, too many sessions make the mistake of number one, assuming that every individual session member is sort of prayed up before they come to the meeting. And so now we can just sort of engage the business. And while I hope and pray that all of my elders are indeed prayed up before they come to the meeting, there is something about doing spiritual disciplines together that is different than when you do it on your own. Okay. You, you've got, so I think you've got to engage in that together. You got to spend some time in prayer together. You got to spend some time studying God's word together. Or Westminster Confession, as you know, John was talking about, his session does, right? You want to do those things together because there's going to be insights and you know, ideas that you gain and all that kind of stuff from that doing life together as a community that's going to be different than your devotional life as an individual or even your corporate life as a congregation. You know, Mike, Mike's session meets after Sunday worship. So there's probably a temptation to say, hey, we've already like done the God thing. Now let's do the business thing. Like that would be a temptation. No, that's not how it works, right? I mean, yes, we worship together. That was awesome. Now let's dig in as a smaller group and dialogue about what God is saying. How is he speaking? And what, what do we need to hear from him on that? So, so I, I, I firmly believe that our sessions, our church sessions, revitalization has got to be at the top of the agenda. It's got to be the most important thing you do month after month after month after month after month after month. However that looks for you, that should be number one. Um, then you then you have to think after you kind of settle the question of why does a session gather, then you have to ask the question, how then shall we gather? Again, every organization is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. All right. 
So once we establish the primary purpose of the session, again, in my mind and in the book of orders mind to seek the mind of Christ together. Now, how do we organize ourselves? How do we organize our agenda in such a way that we actually achieve that month after month, after month, after month, this goes to how do you make decisions? Do you use Robert's rules of order? Do you use a more, um, you know, consensus model for decision-making? Like, what does that look like? How do you make decisions together? That's a really important question because make, every, every decision-making matrix has its pluses and minuses, its strengths and weaknesses. And is everybody on the same page in terms of how we're going to land some of the decisions that we're going to need to land on? What does that look like for you? How are you going to have discussions? Is it going to be like facilitated debate? Is it going to be more of a free-for-all? Again, some of that's going to be determined by the size of your session, by the trust level of your session members, one with another. Are they actually able to engage in honest conversation? Or do you have session members who kind of hang back and never say a word? Like those are things to really pay attention to as you're trying to think about seeking the mind of Christ together. If, if you al allow or you create an environment where certain session members never speak, that's, that's not a good sign, friends. That's not a good sign. And it's okay for them to be introverted. They don't have to speak a lot, but it's not a good sign. Or I think as Mark, uh, one, of, one of the folks in our thing said that his session, and my session experiences this too, sometimes, right, you know, um, it depends like whoever speaks last, they like, you know, almost like get the last word, you know, you got to kind of watch those dynamics to make sure that people not, un, they're not intentionally doing it most of the time, but unintentionally kind of navigating and manipulating those conversations. You want to keep them healthy. You want to keep them going. You want to keep them strong. So we joke about at my church here, like, I mean, we come in a session and a lot of times we go to war on some level. Like we, people get real and the, the opinions get fast and furious. And frequently there are emails that go out the next day asking for forgiveness for how strongly people express those opinions. But we actually foster an environment where it's safe to do that. And, um, and we, we, we do that intentionally because we want to make sure everybody feels like they get everything they need to say onto the table as we're tackling, you know, big issues like how, how, do, how do you, you know, how do you respond to the challenges of this COVID season? That's been an incredibly difficult conversation for us, as I'm sure it has been for you guys. When do you open up? How do you open up all of those kinds of things? People have all kinds of opinions on that. And so you want to foster an, an honest, transparent environment where people can share those things. So how you do life together matters. Um, you know, for, for us, again, our goal is to create a small group experience. We want to create the best small group in the church. That's what we talk about. We want people, when they rotate off a session, we want them to feel like they're actually leaving like the best small group they've ever had. And thankfully, that, that is what gets testified to year in and year out. People rotate off our session and they literally weep. They break down and weep because they, are, they, they miss it so much. They've enjoyed it so much. And it's something that we celebrate. And so that's a part of, of how we understand our life together. So then, you know, I'm describing a lot of things that we do and you might go, man, I'd love to do that. But boy, that seems like so far away from where I am now. Um, so as we kind of think about how you shift a such session culture, and that's really the subject that we kind of want to talk about in this next breakout session. How do you get from where you are to where you feel like you need to be? What are the incremental steps that you need to, to do to, in order to get to a place like that? The first step I want to suggest to you is you've just got to meet your people where they're at. You really got to understand where, where are your folks at? You got to make an honest spiritual assessment. Where are they? 
Again, in my first church, my folks were pretty immature in their understanding of spiritual leadership. And so I had to do some real just basic rudimentary training about what did it mean to be an elder. And so we looked into the scriptures, right? Looked into 1 Timothy and Titus and looked at those descriptions of what is it, what does the life of an elder look like? And what does God expect from an elder? That kind of thing, right? Um, so you got you got to meet people where they're at, you got to understand where they're at, you got to do an honest assessment where they're at. All right. The second thing you got to do then is you got to uh, have some honest dialogue about what do they want out of session? What are they hoping to get out of session? What does the congregation need from your session? What kind of leadership? Um, different congregations need different styles of leadership, depending on where they're at in their life cycle and stuff like that. You want to have some dialogue around that. What does that look like for them? And what does that look like for you? And then as you listen and you really learn, you can begin to sort of craft and say, okay, here's the roadmap to get from where we are right now to where we need to be as spiritual leaders for this particular community that God is calling us into. Um, you know, I, I like to look at passages like Acts 2, 42 through 47, right? I mean, that to me is like the formative passage because Peter gets up, he preaches this, you know, the first Christian sermon, essentially, and, you know, thousands come to Christ. And then I just have this like vision in my head, like of them looking around each other and going, now what do we do? Right. And, and, and so what did they do? They got together. The Bible says for prayer, for fellowship, for the apostles teaching and the breaking of the bread. And if you heard me, if you remember what I was sharing about how we do life together as a session, that's essentially what we do. We get together and we have fellowship and we have a meal and we have Bible study. We study the apostles teaching. And, and then we have our discussions around the life and the business of the church, right? I mean, that's, we've just modeled it after Acts 6:42 through 47. Um, if your elders kind of resist that, if they're not sure about that, what I did in Mobile, they weren't sure about these crazy ideas that this young 29-year-old pastor had. Um, I, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm, you know, they, they really took some risks on me <laughs> that they probably shouldn't have, but um, they, I, all I did was I said, hey, let's just try it for a year. Try it for a year, and if it doesn't work, we'll go back. Like, so just ask for a moratorium on, on your normal way of doing things. Don't, don't make them or force them to agree to something forever and ever and ever, amen. Just say, hey, like, let's give it six months. And if at the end of six months, you think this is all for the birds, then we'll go back. Like, you can always go back, right? You know, one of the things I tell my elders all the time is I said, uh, when I first got in here, was I said, look, I said, if you're not growing spiritually, if at the end of your three-year term or your six-year term, you, this has not been one of the most significant times of spiritual growth in your life, you need to fire me. Because that, that has to be one of the most important things you would expect from your pastor is that he, can, he or she can lead you spiritually. And so I just told him right up front, you should fire me if, if you're not growing spiritually. And that's a huge component to the annual review that they do of me every year. When the session gives my annual review, that's a big component of it. Are they growing spiritually? And some years are better than others, frankly. And that's good. That's good for them to share with me. Yeah, Doug, we didn't grow very much this year. Or Doug, we, we, we really think you need to do some different things this year to help us grow or that kind of thing. That's really good feedback for me to have. So it's really important that, that, that that's the tone that you set um, because if skin is spiritual revitalization is just one thing among many things that you do, you'll never get there. But if it is the thing that you do, I'm telling, and you wrap your whole life around it, I think you're going to find that you'll get there and it'll be a real wonderful journey. It'll be amazing to watch how God, um, how God works and how God moves in some amazing ways. And, and it's, it really does, you know, you start to think, 
you know, how does this impact the business of church? Let me give you a couple of just real practical examples, and then we'll go into our breakout rooms. Um, in my mind, these are miracles that took place in our session meetings. I remember when I first got here. So Pepsi, my church, was coming off a church split back in 2009. The senior pastor who had been here for a long time, 20 years, good friend of mine, um, he, he had got, they had, they had had a conflict with the session. He had gotten let go. Um, the church had really split and people had gone all kinds of different directions. I walked in. Um, so that was at the end of 2008 that that happened. I walked in the two, end of 2009. So a year later uh, into a church that was hurting, that was broken, that was struggling, that was afraid it was going to lose its property. Uh, it had a big mortgage, all these other things. So there's a lot of things in play. Very, very uh, scary time. Um, I was coming in, by the way, as a broken pastor. I was coming off my own brokenness. I had, I, I'm a complete disaster when it comes to church planting. I was a church planner in uh, outside of Madison, Wisconsin, in the PCUSA prior to me coming to Parker, Colorado, and it was like the worst two years of my life. It was a complete disaster. So I was broken. The church was broken. Our big joke uh, when they hired me was that this could be the worst rebound relationship in, in human history, um, and thankfully it wasn't. Um, but that was, that was kind of what we were facing. Um, in the first four months of 2010, so I had been a pastor since Christmas Eve of 2009, um, we were in the red, we were struggling, people were coming, going, trying to decide if they wanted to stay at this church, that this crazy new pastor, all that kind of stuff, um, all of the dynamics that are in play when you're, you know, the new guy and all that kind of stuff, and you're coming into a broken situation like that. It was right after Easter, it was our April session meeting of that year. Again, we were dramatically in the red, struggling financially, all of that kind of stuff. General Assembly was in Colorado that year. And as we thought about General Assembly and, and, and you know, whatever, our mission team came to us and asked if, they, if we could dedicate a portion of a Sunday morning offering to the missionaries that we supported through the General Assembly office because they were going to be in town at General Assembly that year. Could we bless them with, you know, just a special gift? Again, we're in the red. People are kind of nervous about that. One of the elder that was kind of on the mission team brought this proposal to the table. So we prayed over it. We debated it. We talked about it, all of those things. We, as we went into a time of prayer, you know, I kind of just sort of pulled the room, just soft poll, not, not asking for a vote, just kind of a soft poll. And pretty much everybody was against the idea. We go to prayer and um, just lifted it before the Lord. Not sure. I didn't know. I'm not quite sure what I was expecting. But anyway, everybody prayed. We come out of the prayer time and I said, okay, are we ready to vote? And this uh, one, one of our elders uh, are probably our uh, most conservative bean counter of an elder. Like this guy, like had been the accountant for the church, like this guy, super conservative fiscally, all of those kinds of things. He said, no, I'm not ready to vote. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Now we're going to have issues. Bob's got an issue, blah, 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 blah. And Bob goes, 10% um, is not enough. We need to give it all. And you just felt this like, like one of those moments where everybody just felt like you could almost hear a pin drop in the room because it was Bob Meyer saying this. And Bob Meyer is like the most conservative, anal, fiscally conservative dude. And, and yet he had heard something from the Lord in prayer. And so we went ahead and did that. We made, everybody agreed. It was a unanimous decision. Um, everybody got behind it. We could sense it was a movement of the spirit. When we had the, the morning offering to, to do that, to bless our missionaries, we had let everybody know a couple of weeks in advance we were going to do this. 
it was like the largest offering they had had on a Sunday morning in years. And so then, of course, you're challenged with, dang, that's a lot of money and we're in the red. <laughs> Are we really going to do this? <laughs> and Session did it. And I got to tell you, by the end of the year, God had made it up. It was so unbelievable. But that was an example of what happens when you're seeking to spiritually lead and not just lead from like the balance sheet or lead from the practicalities of it. But you really have a, a session who has a heart to really seek the mind of Christ. Bob Meyer, in that moment, heard the mind of Christ very clearly, and he communicated it to us. We all agreed with him and affirmed it. And as a result, this miraculous thing happened. We had people in our congregation selling property. We had women selling jewelry to be a part of this because we asked that they would, they would make this offering in addition to what they normally gave. It was unbelievable. And I believe it was a, a, real, a real sort of like um, just a, a source of spiritual renewal. Again, in this broken congregation that was struggling to come back from this church split, it was one of the you know big events we can look back to and say, yeah, like that's, that's where God began to renew this church, okay? And we've seen that happen time and time again in our session meetings, not so much planned, but just one of those things that as we take things to prayer, as we take visions to prayer, these things that we believe that God is calling us to do, God shifts, he changes, he moves, he, you know, we just launched a counseling center, for instance, during COVID. And uh, it was the outgrowth of this capital campaign that we did and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and we want to provide licensed Christian counseling to people in our community and those kinds of things. And, and this is my failing. So as part of that conversation, one of the things that we heard from our community leaders was that it, we really needed to focus this program on um, families that were on Medicaid and the suburban poor. Well, I used to work in a hospital. Medicaid is a pain in the butt to try and navigate. And I was like, yeah, no way. There's no way we're going to do Medicaid. Like you can forget that, blah, 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 blah. And my elders confronted me and said, Doug, God has called us to serve the poor. God has called us to, to minister to the least of these. And you're saying because of paperwork frustrations, you're not going to do that. Oh, I was broken. And it was, I was so thankful for my elders hearing the mind of Christ and helping me push past my cynicism <laughs> around you know dealing with the government and those kinds of things and we've launched our counseling center and are already building a client base it's just unbelievable as we seek to partner with our community we literally have the one of the directors of health and human services in our county sir, who's who's seated on the board and they're so excited to partner with us a church um, in order to serve the least of these in our community it's just a phenomenal thing and again that was our elders who really pushed that vision forward uh in to some extent over my own you know frustrations and those kinds of things for which I'm really grateful for. So we're going to move now into a um, another breakout session. And again, what we're going to be talking about and what I would like for you guys to talk about is why do you believe your session gathers? Does your session gather to seek the mind of Christ or is it more of like a, a, a program? Uh, uh, do they run programs? Do they gather to run activities? Do they, get, I mean, do they gather for fellowship? Why do they gather? What's the main point if you had to, if you had to pinpoint it? Um, how does your session gather? Have you thought about intentionally like how you shape your life together uh, in order to achieve whatever the outcome is you're trying to achieve? Um, as you hear what you're saying, uh, does it sound attractive? Is it something you want to move to? What is a next step for you or how can we help you with a next step for your session as you try and continue to move them along this spectrum um, of, of becoming greater uh, and more mature spiritual leaders? So we're going to move now into our uh, Breakout sessions, friends. We'll have about a half hour, then we'll come back for some closing thoughts.
Welcome back. We're repopulating here, and uh, it's great to have you back. I know our our uh, our uh, we we were kind of even got our conversation there cut short a little bit because people were sharing so much. And what I would encourage you to do is don't feel like you just got to wait for these times. If you all um, want to have follow-up conversations or maybe sidebar conversations you may not be comfortable sharing in a larger group or something like that, please feel free to get in contact with any of the facilitators. We are happy to uh, chat with you further offline. Uh, I know Mike, John, Bryn, myself, we've all got our life experiences, happy to share. Um, we've all made our mistakes. Uh, we've all, all, you know, we can kind of show you the scars we've got along the way um, from the stupid things that we have done. And at the same time, we've all seen some really cool things as well. And happy to share that to encourage you uh, along the way. Uh, one of the things um, just to, to be thinking, just to kind of prime the pump for next time. So next month, we'll gather again, just like we did this month, fourth, fourth Wednesday, the whole thing. And what we're going to focus on next month is, again, still the revitalization of the session, um, but we're going to really drill down on the nomination process as well as the training process, because uh, it's not like sessions like magically just sort of appear out of thin air. Like there needs to be a, I would encourage you in your congregation to have a, a leadership sort of pipeline that you create um, where you are intentionally raising up um, new leaders, young and old alike, um, uh, you know, from diverse backgrounds, the whole thing, to uh, lead your church. You, you should be trying to identify those people in your church who have the gift of eldership, who you think might have that gift, and you want to begin spending time with them. I have five, uh, five, I, I have five young men. My wife has four young women. They're in the millennial sort of age range that we are intentionally pouring into mentoring to get them ready because we believe any of them uh, could serve as elders down the, the road. We believe that God will call all of them eventually because they're all that gifted. And we are very intentional about mentoring them. We meet with each, my wife meets with her, her gals once a month. I meet with my guys once a month, one-on-one, -on -one, again, just for spiritual mentoring, just to encourage them, to keep them growing as young moms and dads, young professionals in our community, young leaders in our church, they're all leading in various capacities and different ministries and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I would encourage you to think about that. We'll talk more about that next time, as well as like the nominating committee and, and that process, how you organize that. Um, John, I know Mabry's got some great thoughts on that. Um, and then the training process. How do you actually train these elders um, to, again, be the spiritual leaders you are hoping that they that they are. And so um, we'll talk more about that. I know in our breakout group, we started talking even a little bit down to, you know, making sure you identify the job description of your elders so that, so that the people that are like being nominated know what they're being signing up for before they even get, get there. They know what the expectations are going to be. That'll help clarify some things along the way. So we'll talk more about that um, at our next uh, session. I, I just wanted to kind of throw it back to the guys. Uh, Mike, John, Bryn, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to offer the group before we head out um, for today? Doug, if I, if I could just raise one thing that, that I talked about with my breakout group, uh, if any of the teaching elders need motivation for having a healthy, well-functioning session, uh, the hypothesis or the assertion I put out to my group is that even though Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice, a pastor's joy in ministry 
correlates very closely with how well they work with their session. That, uh, that has been my experience. The guys in the breakout room affirmed it. So if you need any motivation, um, our joy in ministry is tied very closely. It correlates very closely with how well and how healthy our relationships are with our session. Amen, brother. Thanks, Bryn. Doug, yeah, I didn't get to say goodbye to my breakout group. And oh, okay. I, I, I really enjoyed our breakout group. Uh, you know, y'all made great comments. I kind of feel like, you know, we know each other kind of, but, um, but we don't. But anyway, I just, uh, you know, another word of encouragement. Of, to, it was really good interchange of conversation. And, and um, I just wanted to be able to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, we got cut off mid-sentence. So uh, let's stay in touch. It was a great conversation. Awesome, Thank John. Thanks, brother. And Mike, anything from you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Doug. This has been great. I really want to appreciate my breakout session too. Something I shared at the very end that I think uh, everyone could get out of this is based on what you have heard today, write down that hope that you have for your session and share it with your session. If you're a ruling elder, share it with your pastor and associate pastors. If you have associates on session, share it with your session and begin the conversation of hoping together for the vitality. Uh, you gotta start there uh, and, and taking that vulnerable risk. This mm. is what I long for, for my session. That's a really good word, Mike. And why don't um, why don't I just close us in prayer? And uh, just uh, one of the we're, we're going through First Peter right now. And so what you just shared kind of reminded me of the great words by Peter, where he says that God has called caused us to be born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ. Um, and that fundamentally, yeah, should absolutely inform um, how we operate as a session, how we operate as individuals, how we ultimately operate as a church. Jesus is the source of our revitalization. So unless we're coming before him for that, we're, we're a lost people and we'll just be the blind leading the blind. And um, I know I've ended up in the ditch numerous times because I, I tried to put myself in a, the wrong spot and it's got to be God who leads us through. So let me just pray for us and then uh, we'll say goodbye for this month and see you back next month, hopefully. Lord, we give you thanks for this time. You have caused us to be born again to this living hope in Christ. This is a, an inheritance that's kept for us, that's undefiled, unfading and imperishable in the heavens, guarded by God himself. And so, Lord, we don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to worry about it. Um, it is secure, um, and we are secure because of what you have done for us. And so, Lord, in that hope and in that security, we launch out, and we desire, Lord, to see the churches of the EPC revitalized. We desire to see the sessions of the EPC become engines of spiritual renewal. We desire to see the pastors in the EPC and ruling elders become agents of spiritual renewal wherever you have planted them, God, no matter how large or small or in between the congregation may be, God, would you equip, encourage, uh, uplift, uh, bless my brothers and sisters who are on this call today. We give you thanks, God, for all of these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. 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 Thanks, friends. We'll talk to you next month.